Welcome to the FedSpeak podcast, brought to you by MI Market News. I'm Pedro da Costa, and I'm glad to welcome Dr. Peter Ireland to the program. He is a former Richmond Fed economist who is now a professor at Boston College. He is also an avid Fed watcher, a prominent voice on monetary policy, and a member of the Shadow Open Market Committee. Thank you so much for coming on FedSpeak. Thanks for having me, Pedro. It's a real honor and a pleasure. Pleasure is mine. So interesting week to have you on. The Fed just stepped down the pace of rate hikes again yesterday to 25 basis points, as expected. And the messages from Chair Powell were, were mixed, to say the least. But in terms of the step down, did you view that as an appropriate time to slow the pace of hikes at the moment? I think so. And I think on balance, the news is not only good, but quite good. Just to put the answer in a a little bit more context, if you think about previous rate raising campaigns or the tightening phase or normalization phase of the Fed Reserve's typical operations over the business cycle, whatever you want to call the strategy, the key word, the key adjective is gradual. What the Federal Reserve typically likes to do um, when tightening, when raising rates, is just to move small step by small step. And it, it's hard to argue with the, gen- with the logic behind the general approach. Nobody knows the neutral rate of interest. And so by extension, no one can say for sure, you know, is monetary policy just right, too accommodative or too restrictive? So the thing the FOMC likes to do is, is to take a gradual approach. You bump interest rates up by 25 basis points. Then you spend the next six weeks watching the incoming data and the news. Is inflation holding steady? Is it accelerating? Is it faltering? Same with spending, employment, and economic growth. Next meeting, if it looks like everything's on track, you move it up by another 25 basis points. If inflation is threatening to get out of hand, you go faster. If the economy looks like it's slowing down, you go a little bit more slowly. If we go back, though, to this time last year, then then it was very clear that the Fed was way behind the curve. It waited too long. Not only did it see inflation rise above 2%, it saw inflation rise well above levels that anyone should be comfortable with. What Because of that monetary policy error, they lost the luxury of being able to move in that deliberate, gradual pace. So they really had to move aggressively for the last 12 months. So, you know, what the 25 basis point move and the associated comments by the chair afterwards, the Fed statement to indicate is that now FOMC members as a group feel like um, they're on top of the problem. And again, that gives them the luxury of going back to a gradual approach And it reduces the chances of error on both sides, either that they may not do enough or they may overdo it. And so Chair Powell hinted at a couple more rate hikes, perhaps. Do you think, and that that would bring us to like a little bit over five, do you think that's going to be sufficiently restrictive? And how heartened are you by the recent signs of disinflation? Yeah, it could be. That is certainly a plausible scenario. It is true that measures of inflation have eased in recent months. Um, It's also true that there is some indication of deceleration in the growth of spending, um, some um, loosening up of um, very tight labor markets. Um, One indicator that 
I like to look at that many people at the Fed ignore is growth in broad monetary aggregates like M2. M2 exploded during and in the immediate aftermath of the, the COVID shutdowns, coincident with the extraordinary levels of monetary and fiscal policy easing. Um, I think increasingly economists are recognizing that that might have served as a useful leading indicator of the burst of inflation that we did have. Um, if you look at the behavior of M2 more recently, year-over-year year, M2 growth has actually turned into negative territory, indicating that indeed the rate cuts in place so far have succeeded not only in removing the monetary stimulus, but in moving monetary policy into a somewhat um, into somewhat restrictive zone. On the other hand, the original increase in M2 was so large that even with the recent negative growth rates, still in terms of levels, were well above trend. Another indicator that I like to look at is nominal GDP growth. Is a sort of sum of real GDP growth and inflation. It kind of tracks the Fed's progress in achieving both sides of its dual mandate. Nominal GDP growth with a combination of you know, accelerating inflation and a vigorous recovery was in, was in double digits uh, you know, a year and a half ago. It's decelerated significantly, again, indicating that the rate rates, the rate increases put in place so far have had their effect. On the other hand, it's still running uh, about seven, seven and a half percent year over year, which is not consistent yet with a full return of inflation to the two percent target. So I definitely believe that uh, you know at least a couple more rate increases are needed. I'm concerned that um, additional rate increases may be necessary in the summer and in the fall, but we'll just have to see about that. And what do you make of the markets kind of jumping to conclusions that as the Fed appears to approach a peak, that they're going to turn around and, and likely cut toward the end of the year? It's something that Chair Powell did push back against strongly, but the markets don't seem to listen. Are, are financial markets complacent on that front? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I, I think a story that can rationalize a lot of the market response we've seen so far this year, not just yesterday afternoon with um, you know, the stock market rebounding nicely at the beginning of the year, easing of long-term interest rates would just be to say that, um, you know, the scenario where we do have, you know, the classic soft landing, the Fed is able to get interest rates up by just the right amount to bring inflation down by just the right amount, slow down in economic growth, but not pushing us into recession. You know, that's not completely far-fetched. And as a matter of fact, that's a, a plausible scenario. Combine that with the view that we've sort of been, we're done with the scary part, 75, 50 basis point rate increases, and we're back into a kind of environment where the FOMC is more comfortable moving, where financial market participants are more comfortable. So I get why the market's up and why long-term interest rates are down. I think the hardest aspect um, of market readings um, to understand is the one that you were alluding to specifically. Fed funds futures do indicate um, high probability, of not just that the funds rate will peak slightly above 5% two meetings from now, but that the Fed will be back in easing mode by, let's say, the fall or certainly by the end of the year. That's not consistent with what we see in the SEPs. Um, 
it, it's really hard to um, understand the disconnect between um, what the Fed Reserve is clearly saying and what the markets are just as clearly saying. They're two different things. There's another apparent contradiction, which is that as markets react positively to the Fed's decision, the, there's a further loosening of financial conditions, which seems to work against the, the intentions of the of the policy. How do you see that dynamic operating? Yeah, there's this adage. I don't know who to attribute this to, but um, you know, people say the Fed has a dysfunctional relationship with the markets. Um, I think that that's been true for many, many years now, and it, we see this again. What really matters for shaping the trajectory of the economy are um, long-term interest rates and equity prices. The Fed manipulates the federal funds rate, a short-term rate in an effort to influence long-term rates. But long-term rates and equity prices are also shaped by expectations of future monetary policy. So no one at the Fed wants to be seen as commenting on the stock market or even you know, long-term interest rates. And, and yet an important part of conducting monetary policy effectively is doing so in a way that pins down expectations and helps you know, move asset prices in the direction consistent with the Fed's goals. So I really feel for Chair Powell and other FOMC members. I mean, you, you get asked about equity prices, you just don't wanna comment. It's not the Fed's job to target stock prices. And yet I agree, it must be frustrating to see that an intended message somehow just doesn't, it isn't sinking in. There's also a view out there that uh, maybe the, the easy part of the inflation fight is behind us, but that, you know, getting from current levels down to the target will be actually be the bigger lift. And so I wonder how, how sticky you expect inflation pressures to remain, particularly in the services sector on which the chair has put so much emphasis recently. Of course, that's the key question. The scenario that even the FOMC is presenting us with, which is the classic soft landing deceleration of economic growth, but not a recession, gradual return of inflation to the 2% target, a couple additional rate increases, but holding things not too much higher than interest rates higher than where they are now through you know, the end of, say, 2024. That, that strikes me as a plausible scenario. I think the problem, though, is that we can easily see that there are risks on both sides. The one that you just mentioned would be the case where We've seen some nice welcome easing of inflationary pressures towards the end of last year, moving on into 2023. But what happens if we get into the fall and into next winter and stubbornly core measures of inflation remain elevated, say around 4%? That's the scenario where the Fed is going to have to continue to raise interest rates the probability then of sending the economy into a recession goes up even more. And the question becomes, how is the Fed going to navigate the economic and that surely there'll be political trade-offs too. You know, the other risk is that monetary policy acts with a lag. We're already seeing inflation decline. We're already seeing some indications of an economic slowdown, certainly a lot of high-profile announcements of layoffs or hiring freezes. I mean, it could well be that, um, you know, in 
their well-intentioned efforts to make sure inflation goes back to 2%. Maybe the FOMC has already gone too far. In a way, maybe that is what the market is telling us with you know, Fed funds futures with the trajectory of longer term interest rates. So um, I, I really feel for the communication problem that Fed Reserve officials, including Chair Powell, face. I don't, I, I'm hesitant to be too critical. I, I like, I, I think what they're doing is sensible enough. What I wish and is that they could somehow articulate better an intermediate term strategy that would make clearer to market participants, the public, and maybe even themselves, you know, what might happen in contingencies other than, you know, the happy soft landing contingency that they and, and we all are hoping for. I, I think they have not been, my criticism would be that they have not been clear enough about how they would react if, if either of those two alternative scenarios begins playing itself out. Yeah, I think you could argue that part of the gap between market expectations and the Fed's own guidance is, you know, due to that that discrepancy that you've just described, right? And so I, I agree. So again, they're in a real jam. The you know they had a intermediate long term monetary policy strategy in place with a two percent target, with um, you know the description of a balanced approach to dealing with the two sides of the dual mandate, one that made clear that the Fed would increase interest rates preemptively before inflation began to rise. That was a monetary policy strategy that many economists, myself included, I mean, we really like. The Fed is never, probably never going to do what we really want, which is to follow a monetary policy rule. But in terms of articulating a strategy where observers can extrapolate and intuit out what the contingency plan is, you know, that that was a good plan. Unfortunately, when they rethought in 2019, th there were legitimate issues associated with the ZLB and low inflation, but then they got caught by, we all got caught by surprise by COVID. And as they were um, revising their intermediate term strategy, um, you know, it, it turned out they were reacting to problems that existed in the past. We're now in an environment that's really quite different. Um, my Shadow Open Market Committee colleagues, Jeff Lacker and Charlie Plosser, have suggested just go back to the old, you know, rearticulate the old strategy, um, which would be fully appropriate in, in the present. I, I, I can see why that would be difficult to do. Politically, I, I can see why personally. I mean, it's always hard to admit that, you know, you were caught off guard by events or you were wrong in your forecast. But the, the difficulty is that at present, not, not only, you know, are they not following a policy rule, but there's really no intermediate term policy strategy that any of us and any of them can refer to in order to guide monetary policy to tie together a series of decisions made meeting by meeting. Yeah, it's hard to derive a reaction function when they're as hyper data sensitive. It's even more than data dependent. It's like one data point might actually change what you do at the next meeting, so. Yes, exactly. One more question about the job market. I, I'm wondering whether the Fed's own thinking about how to look at the job market might be shifting in the following sense. 
for a long time, they've described all this labor market tightness as a liability. But now it's almost like they're, you know, counting on it as an asset and as the buffer with which they're going to maintain the soft landing and prevent a recession from taking hold. So just to, to back up a little bit, I, I think one reason why economists as opposed to financial market participants are much more worried about a recession is that we know from economic history and we're students of economic history that achieving a soft landing is a very, very difficult task. If you say, what are the odds this time, given what we've seen at the past, very, very low. So look back at history and you say, well, um, maybe, but I doubt it. I'm sorry. On the other hand, though it's always tempting to say this time is different, I mean, there is a real sense in which this time is different. If you look at the so-called recession we had in 2020, 2021, it was completely different in terms of the underlying data from anything we've ever seen before. And that's not the fault of the theory. We know why it was different. It was because the cause was totally different. So likewise, you know, we're in um, a sort of odd situation where some economic indicators um, are uh, showing signs of an economic slowdown, the, you know, the housing sector, layoffs in the tech sector. But on the other hand, there are other industries where hiring continues at a vigorous pace. You know, we just will see on Friday what happens, but we're just not seeing any indication of a break in the labor market at the aggregate level. So if you say, well, I hope that um, as sectors of the economy that have been lagging catch up to where they should be just given the natural growth long run of the American economy. Could it be that we kind of muddle through this without a serious recession where, you know, you get laid off from your job at an online retailer, but you find a job at a, you know, bricks and mortar retailer, something like that. Could it happen? I mean, I don't, despite the fact that I look at history, and that makes me pessimistic. It, it doesn't seem crazy to me that we could get through this, um, you know, with, um, with a reasonably happy ending. That makes a lot of sense. We'll leave it there for the day, but uh, thank you so much. That was Peter Ireland of Boston College. Really appreciate you coming on FedSpeak. Thanks again, Pedro. It's a pleasure.